Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Mike. This is Daniel. You will notice that Gary is not with us tonight. Nope, he's not. So it's just the two of us. Uh, Gary had another obligation that came up immediately, and uh, we will miss his insights. We will yes. miss his insights. So um, hopefully he'll uh, he'll have a chance to listen to this podcast and, and think to himself, man, I wish I were there. That would have yes. been a fun discussion to be a part of. Yes, it would have been. So tonight, one of the topics I really, really wanted to discuss, one of the things that's been kind of on my mind is... Uh, um, I, I I see so many that uh, in this community that have gone through um, some of the sage experiences with a counselor, yeah, the twenty weeks of step of sage one, and then even possibly into sage two, and are struggling to find measurable amounts of clean time. Mm-hmm. And I, I and when I say measurable, what I mean by that is is that there are those who find maybe thirty days, sixty days, something like that, and then. And then, which is a, which is a, in many cases, a milestone. It's a big deal. Yeah, especially for them. Uh, but then, but then somewhere along the line, a relapse happens and then struggle to find footing again. Yeah. And so I really wanted to kind of focus this podcast on what, uh, what do you do if you find yourself in that particular situation? So um, <clears throat> I know we've kind of noodled a few ideas, but there's a couple things I think that need to sort of be teased out of this discussion one of it is uh to begin with in my mind anyway is is just an honest evaluation of of how serious am i about recovery yeah um that's not to say that i don't necessarily want recovery in my life but it's also to say that i've got this thing going into my life that that for whatever reason seems to be solving so many of the issues i know that the day after it really hurts and i hate myself and all Mm -hmm. those things and i don't want to live that way at least in my mind, but seriously, how committed am I to to really moving forward in a big, meaningful way? And I think what that really translates to is a deep-down look at, at what this really is translating to in terms of, you know, the path I'm on and the destruction mm-hmm. it's causing, and, and uh, maybe I just haven't hit rock bottom kind of a thing. Um, but I believe there's a lot of those people out there who have really experienced what they thought was rock bottom. So the tools I think that we really want to kind of ferret out in this conversation is some of the things that maybe they can do. So yeah. let's just run through a whole list of things that you think are relevant and maybe an important part of that. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, another key component I really think that of this, and I know it really affected me and some of the other guys I've talked to, is you know this addiction is kind of like a really good best friend. Right. Uh, it's really helped you through a lot of hard times right. and difficult times, and now it's... You know, just like saying goodbye to a family member, it's right. it, it's hard. It is hard. You know, and you have to go through that grieving process as well, and you have to finally say, okay, you know, this relationship has helped me to this point, but now we have to part ways. Right. It's not a healthy relationship. Yeah, it's not healthy in any by any means, but it, it is difficult to get to that point. 
Um, it's interesting you bring that up because the literature, the SAA literature actually points that out when you start reading some of the information in there that, that this literally has become a very close relationship, yeah. this relationships with this, with this addiction such that we rely on it very heavily whenever, mm-hmm. whenever we find ourselves in a difficult, difficult circumstance that we find ourselves relying heavily on this, this relationship that's toxic, that's bad, yeah. that's not healthy. And yet we're unwilling to give it up. So it very much is this, I have to give this thing up and I don't necessarily want to give it up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's very much like, you know, those old cartoons, uh, you know, where you see the angel and the devil right. show up on the shoulder. Right. And, you know, and the devil's like, yeah, come on. It, this this, this, this fixes has worked. This, this has this worked works. for however many years. Yeah. Sure. And the other one's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then it's just like flicks the angel off. And it's like, all right, let's go. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. Um, yeah. It's I mean, a- there's a number of times that I've talked to some individuals where it's just like, I can remember myself being there, but at the same time, I'm like, why, why are you doing this? Yeah. But then I, I stop and I'm like, wow, I did that same thing. Right. I was in that same place. So I think the measure, and I'm going to use this kind of in a, in a sort of a bold in your face kind of a, kind of a concept, but one of, the, one of the key critical measures of where we're at personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we say in our heart of hearts that I really want to give this up. Yeah. I really want to make a change. I really don't want this in my life. I don't want to do this anymore. We say that, but the first key, the thing that I see as a measure to say I'm done with this is first order changes. Yeah. And so if an if an individual in my mind is unwilling to give to put first order changes in their life, to make those kind of changes such that they don't have the access that they once had access to, that was a turning point for me. I don't know what it was like for you, but yeah. when I walked into my counselor's office and said I have access to the internet, and I've discovered a way to take the internet off of my phone. I just need a code punched in here. And he just typed in three numbers. And I said, do you remember that? And I, he says, I, don't ask me what it was because we'll never get it back. Yeah. And that's the way it went. And to, that, to this day, my phone no longer has um, the, the Siri capabilities, the, the, the functionality of, of, uh, of Safari search. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely had to go through the, the first order changes. Unfortunately, unlike you, you know, I, I have a degree in computer science and sure. that, and so I, I could hand that over and say, "Hey, punch a code in," and I could, I could get through it. Um, and I think I, there I are a lot of people out that. there, sure. And yeah. there are a lot of people ways out there. There are a lot yeah. out there who know that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's true. The theory behind the first order change, though, is is that mentally it does something yeah. for us, and secondly, there's this. When we think about relapse, there's this fraction of a second when yep. we're out of we're having an out of body experience, if you will, and all we need is a little bit of time. There's no question about it that just if I were to spend enough time on my phone, I could probably find my way around it. Yeah. But all I need to know is is that if I'm uh, all I need is just a few seconds, maybe a few minutes, to really kind of put myself back into the place of saying, "Do I really want to do this? Yeah. Do I really want to go to all the trouble of working through that phone?" Yeah. And so for me, that's that's a critical issue for those who are saying, I keep relapsing, I keep struggling yeah. with this particular issue, but I'm unwilling to make that change. That's yeah. a big step. I mean, the first step for me was, you know, I didn't take my phone into the bathroom, um, whether I was showering or just using the, re- the bathroom. And then at night, you know, because uh, at the time I wasn't sleeping in the same bedroom as my ex. Right, right. You know, my, my computer, my laptop, my iPad, my phone, every electronic I had that could get me on the Internet went in there. You know, and then the next morning, you know, I knocked on the door. You know, Here's your she stuff. the door, I grabbed my stuff, and I went to work. Um, so there was that. And then as that 
started becoming a habit and and then it was I was establishing intentionality in what I was doing. I just wasn't surfing mindlessly right, right. on the internet or on social media and things like those. So that the those first order changes, as silly as it sounds, were critical, like right. you said. Absolute it, it truth. Broke the pattern, the cycles that yeah. I had. And then I was able to start looking at other things. Right. And then, you know, uh, Gary is my sponsor, started helping out because it's like, okay, well, this is an issue and yeah. this, and we were talking through those. And then I got the second order stuff coming. Right. In. So question two is, and one of the things that I've discovered in my own circumstances is there, um, I have very bad, horrible, no good days. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember that that, yep. that book. but the, uh, the Alexander. That's right. Yeah. Alexander has those particular days, and I have those. And interestingly enough, um, I mean, it, sometimes it just doesn't matter what I do. The minute mm-hmm. I put my feet on the floor, it just starts off wrong, yeah. you know? And uh, if the first order changes aren't in place, so really at the end of the day, the first order changes were in place to help me with that particular day because that was a that was an F at bucket kind of a oh, day. Yeah. That was like, I just don't care. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm not in a place to deal with it. Um, but they allowed me just a few minutes to kind of come back to say, wait, Mike, do you really, really want this? One of the things I've discovered is, uh, as recovery has kind of gone along, and, and I sort of leave this with, with some of our listeners as well, we're all going to have those days. Yeah. Uh, and I've discovered recently that instead of working so much about changing those days, like, why do I have these days and how do I fix them and why can't I make them mm-hmm. go away? And, it, you know, why can't I control that particular element of it? Why don't I just embrace it? There are bad days in the universe. There yeah. just simply are. But what I can do, I can't change the world. I can't change that bad day. But what I can do is I can change the things that I do during that day that are really motivated to keep me safe. Yeah. Um, I know when I go to work, for instance, that, that uh, on that bad day, uh, any type of work that I do with a client or whatever is just putting me, you know, just reinforcing the fact that I'm in a bad day and it's not yeah. going well, et cetera. Why don't I do some things that I enjoy? Why don't I focus on the aspect of my job that I really, really like? Why don't I spend time reconnecting with people in my world that are really important to me? Uh, all those things, and, and, and these people don't even have to know, but there are things that I can do that will make that bad day tolerable and the great thing about a bad day is is that tomorrow's always a better day. Yeah. We know it's going to be different here in a very short little while. Well, yeah. I mean, Monday, for example, was a, a really bad day for me. You know, the second I woke up, I'm like, I knew it. Yep. And you feel it, don't you? You just yeah. know full well it's going to be I bad. knew it was going to be a bad day. And, you know, with work, I definitely have the option to work from home. And I had been for weeks because I had my kids. I mean, you know, my kids had, had, were gone, so I didn't have that to focus on. So right. it's like, crap, it's going to be a bad day. So instead of just staying here by myself in isolation, it's like, all right, I'm going to change the venue. So that's one of the quick tools that I use, change the venue. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go into work. I'm going to go work from the office. There might not be anyone there, but at least I'm not here. And if I'm at work, I'm not going to do anything wrong because they're monitoring my machine and I don't want to lose my job. Sure. Um, So I got there, um, you know, and then I started talking to other people. You know, uh, you know, getting out of that isolation, connecting with other people, that helped. Um, that's a tool I use, whether, you know, whether it's going to talk to a neighbor or talking to someone else. That's another quick tool that generally helps to get me out of my phone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's then, a good suggestion. And yeah. then is my, you know, the, the punches kept rolling in. And then later in the afternoon, you know, I got another big punch. 
and I knew I needed to do something else. So I reached out to my sponsor, you know, you know, Gary, and just said, you know, here I am. Today sucks. I know we haven't talked in a while because things have been going really well, but today sucks, and I need to talk because otherwise I'm going to start spinning down that rabbit hole, yeah. and I don't want to do that. And we talked for a little bit, and afterwards, you know, he didn't fix anything. You know, he said that sucks. It yeah. Really sucks. Sorry, can't fix it. And I'm like, I, I don't want you to fix it. And I just I, want somebody just, to hear me. Yeah. Which just, brings obviously to the next point, and that is, is that uh, uh, you know, for those of our listeners who are struggling to find some sort of a footing um find themselves in some sort of a pattern about every yeah. third day a relapse or something like that what would happen if, if they reached out to their sponsor and said I, i'm I, I don't know what the deal is but today just seems to be one of those days where i'm heading down that path yeah. now what's ironic about this is <laughs> you've worked with with sponsees before uh, it's, it's what you usually get fact. is after the fact yeah. is, hey, guess what? I relapsed, you know, yeah. and uh, as though you could do something to fix all of that, yeah. you know. Um, but how novel would it be for them to say, to call beforehand and say, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just in a shitty spot. Yeah. I'm in a place that I can't figure out and I don't know why, but I need to talk a few things through with you. And what I found is, is that sponsors are typically very, very available to their sponsees. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a matter of, gee, why don't you hold off until later tonight? We can talk about it yeah. then. I know in my circumstance, I try and be very much available and, and talk whenever whenever that uh, they need to be. And that, yeah. you know, sometimes that's the middle of the night. Um, yeah. But but I found that there's so much, so much recovery goes on with just sharing your circumstance mm-hmm. with somebody else to let them know where you're at and what's going on. And and that changes so much of that mental picture in a quick and easy way just by having somebody to bounce some of the things off of. Well, yeah. I mean, when I was talking to Gary, he's like, all right, so what are you going to do now? And right. it was, you know, I already, I already knew. I mean, it was rumbling in my head, but it was like, well, well, I've done this, this, and this. He's like, well, it already sounds like you're on the, r- the right path. And, you know, it's true. But it helped kind of get me out of that negative funk. Like, yeah. oh, the world's crashing. No, I'm... Despite that, I'm still making progress forward, you know. And I have had some some sponsees that have called me, and you know, and I've answered the phone, and they're like, "Oh, you know, what's you up to?" And I'm like, "I'm getting ready to go play laser tag with my kids." And he's like, "Oh, maybe I should call you back." No, 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 no. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Or that was a good time. you know, I had another one, and I pulled off the side of the road because I was heading up the canyon to go hiking with my kids, and I knew if I kept going, I'd lose signal. And he's like, you know, and, it's, and he's like, "Oh," he, but. He was grateful that I took the time out, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. but your kids." I'm like, "My kids are okay. They're in the back seat. The AC's on. Right. I, we can take a few minutes." Right. Um, and generally, when I'm called before, we can short circuit that, yeah. and the next day is okay. Yep. You know, and we don't hear it, but it's when I get the call afterwards, like, "Man, I relapsed." It's like, "All right, well, now we're in this danger zone. That's right. <laughs> there could be another one in yeah. the future. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're in that that." that spot where before we could have avoided this. Right. But you know, then at the same time I continue to remind them that, okay, what did we learn? You know? Yeah. What can we learn from this? So it's, you know, as Shane continues to say, you know, but you know, here's something interesting too is, is that, uh, yeah, we can learn something from the relapse, but couldn't we learn those same lessons before the relapse? So here's a thought and you know, I'll throw this out obviously to our listeners is, is that we know that we're in this place that it feels as though, uh, relapse is imminent, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is that caused it. I may be in a bad place. I may not be. It may just be simple cycle, may not be. Yeah. 
Uh, but but if if there's things that self self soothe us after a relapse, could those same self soothing things that we do before we relapse move us into a spot where we're where we're not uh, where we're not in the mood to act out? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody were to spend, and I, I did this. I remember one time in my own circumstance, if I said to myself, you know, these are the things that really put me in a good place. Mm-hmm. It's spending quality time with family. It's making good connections. It's it's relaxing. It's uh, uh, mentally taking my, you know, take my shoes off and go walk in the grass for a minute, you know? Yeah. All those sorts of things that just put me in a good spot. If I did those things before I relapsed, could it prevent a relapse? And what I found was, is the answer to that is yes. Yeah. Um, those very same things that we do after we've relapsed where we need to, we need to self, self-soothe ourselves as a result of these mistakes that we made in a lot of cases are the very things that can help us prevent a relapse all the way around. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, something that I do, because I, I know I always kind of hit this lull when my kids leave, which I know if I'm in this lull, it's a danger zone. For yes. me. It's kind of that warning track we've talked about. So I will jump on my bike. Throw in my, you yeah. know, my my headphones and play some '80s rock and just go down go the road on, on my bike. Yeah. Uh, there's sometimes I use my electric scooter. Yes, I'm not getting any exercise, but I'm out and it's just there's just something the music about that. and doing yeah. something. I can see the world still revolving yeah. around me, and it's not so bad. The the sun's out. The birds are. Yeah. flying by and it's interesting it you recognize that in your circumstance yeah. i've also in mine recognized that where that where i'm that spot it's usually after a vacation usually after a long weekend mm-hmm. usually after a day off all those sorts of things when it's time to get back into the routine of things that i'm not in the mood to get there yeah and that's usually the bad day so i kind of i'm doing the same things that you're talking about you go ride a bike i may choose to go to work and say you know what i'm going to focus on this aspect yeah. of my job that i enjoy or I'm going to reach out, uh, you know, and, and make a special effort to reach out to my wife. Or uh, one of the things I did when I when I moved offices is I created my computer such that the screens could be pointed out instead of in, mm-hmm. um, which gave me an opportunity to say, all right, if I'm in a bad spot, I can now move this and position the computer and the screen such that others can see what I'm involved yeah. with. Uh, all those things I do, and I do have a I do have a computer set up at work that prevents me from hitting the internet. But but you know, again bad day and i'll try working around those things yeah. whereas if people can see what i'm doing i'm less likely to actually do some of those things yeah so you know and, and like you were talking about walking the grass something that i found which you know when i get back to owning my own place i would like to build like a box uh, that's fairly long and fill it with like fine sand yes. there's nothing like walking barefoot on a beach <laughs> and a we don't story. have any cl- beach close <laughs> enough here um that's like that but you know uh Last week, I got the opportunity to go play sand volleyball with a bunch of uh, single adults, and I'm not a barefoot person, but man, there's just something about <laughs> being in fine sand yeah. barefoot that just feels amazing, and I was playing sand volleyball and having lots of fun, and so is everyone else. It's and a good experience. It was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would want to set something up like that, so if I'm ever frustrated, I need to kick my shoes off and go walk yeah. and pace in that if I Absolutely. need to. That's a great point. One of the other things I think that really ought to be discussed too is is that there ought to be an overall evaluation of what this is. What What's yeah. causing me to drive to this place of acting out? And the reason I bring that up is, is because we all know that this is a disease of escape. Yeah. So a real solid evaluation of what it is I'm trying to escape. Now, we may not always be able to put our finger on it and say, yeah, that's it. 
But we can look at a couple of things. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I notice as I listen to these conversations about those that constantly relapse, um, when I consider their schedule, you know, it's uh, it may be full-time job, full-time school on top of that, uh, you know, new baby, you know, a variety of different circumstances that maybe, you know, well, well beyond their control, they can't control, but yeah. they're, but, but they can manage that in a certain way or live it in, let, I mean, life on life terms kind of a thing and live it in such a way that it's not quite as hectic. Yeah. Um, probably ought to be making certain they're getting plenty of sleep, that yeah. they're eating well, that they're taking care of themselves during that period of time, that they're finding time for themselves. Those are all things that we can do that, that alleviates that stress such that we're not trying to act out in order to escape. So all of those things I found in my own life, I find that uh, you know the work I do is, is quarter-oriented. So yeah. as soon as the end of a quarter rolls around, I've got a lot of reporting that I need to take care of, a lot of work that needs to be done. And uh, I stress out. I, those mm -hmm. are stressful times for me. There's a lot to be done in a very short period of time, and it means long hours and late nights. And you know I'm probably, uh, probably not doing what I need to do as far as getting enough sleep or eating properly. Um, but I know going into those things that maybe I can do some things now. I can prepare for those things. I can plan for those things. And I can set some amount of time aside for myself yeah. to say, look, this is a this is a busy time, Mike. You know, this is what typically happens during this time. And with a little bit of planning, I can I can mitigate that to some extent. Yeah. No, I, I there's a lot of guys that are surprised because, I mean, through most of, you know, while I was going through Sage, I was working full time. I was going to school full time, right. doing therapy full time, going to Sage. Um, you know, I have a, a, a large family dealing with them. Um, going through a divorce, you know, and all the other every things one of those are did. heavy, stressful factors. Yeah, all those things, and yet I've still been able to keep my sobriety. I've still been able to move forward, and not not saying that it was perfect. You know, right. there are plenty of times that yeah, the stress built up, and I got close, but I didn't let it you know you know make me say F it and kick the right. bucket or dive over the cliff, whatever thing you want to use but you know, I would get there and I would just be why why am I here and it would generally be because um, I was you know first thing on there angry well why was I angry you know and generally because I was sad I was tired I was lonely uh, disappointed where my life was because this right. is not where I wanted it to be right um, and I just I just kept going through and finding those root causes and then it's like okay what am I going to do about those things that's right um, and can I address those things head yeah. on oftentimes what I was <laughs> one of the great things about all of this was is that as I was recognizing those stresses in my life and then recognizing the things that I was doing to escape them yeah right it may be some procrastination over here yep. it may be avoidance over there and when I realized that if I just tackled those things head on early on and put some plan to it that really I could work through those things in a much more reason reasonable way and never put myself in a situation where I wanted to escape, which mm -hmm. is which is fertile, fertile soil for relapse. That's yeah. what that stuff is. So there's lots of things that people can do in order you know, to get to that spot. Yeah. And I, it doesn't take a lot, uh, you know, especially for these quick tools. I mean, I, the biggest one, you know, and I know it's said so many times, reaching out. Yes. And we've mentioned that it doesn't take that much time and effort. And more, you know, and there are some times where I've reached out and, you know, Gary hasn't answered. Right. So I have a list of people that I, I go through. You know, 
Gary doesn't answer, I'll call you. If right. you don't answer, you know, I call someone else. And right. I just go down that list until I finally get someone. And it's, you know, because I know if I don't, I'm going to be in a bad spot space and it's worth the effort to keep calling until i can get someone it's worth the effort because you're worth the yeah. effort i think another point that i think that's worthwhile to bring up then too is is that it's, this is an ideal time to work your recovery there's no better time to really work the tools that you know to be true and correct than a period of time when you're vulnerable yeah so those are great times to read recovery literature those are great times to work on some of the tools you know about uh, letter to yourself. Yeah. The the picky, you know, the picky is a great tool to really kind of evaluate. What are the things I'm, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I not doing? Mm-hmm. It's a great time to, uh, you know, if you're participating in a, in a, uh, um, a counselor directed, uh, uh, group meeting of some type, what are you read the material, reread the material, yeah. work through some of that material again. Those are all ideal times to really be focusing on because those are vulnerable moments when you can say, and those are opportune times for really, really deep evaluation of things mm-hmm. to say, well, here's where I'm at. Could this thing really work for me? Yeah. Another good tool I found is just calling someone up and asking how they're doing. That's a great one. You know, or, yeah. or going next door to the neighbor and saying, you know, hey, is there something you need help with? Um, just, just good old human connection. Yeah. And, well, not only that, you know, because... A lot of our, the addiction is selfishness. Right. But by asking how someone else is doing or going to help someone else, you're getting outside yourself. And then you find yourself kind of writing the ship yeah. a little bit. Um, I've done that quite a bit um, and found that it's helped. Uh, yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, sponsees, friends, whatever, you know, just kind of a, hey, how are you doing? And then you get into a conversation, you're connecting with them. And the next thing you know, you're not really worried about That's a true what story. was bugging you right. uh, before. So that, that helps as well. And, you know, um, I'll add one to uh, that, that I've discovered for myself. Uh, and it came through a bit of study. But uh, um, one, of the, one of the articles that I had read about the topic of gratitude uh, suggested a gratitude journal and mm-hmm. I've I've a gratitude journal is an interesting thing and I've discovered some really interesting things about the topic of gratitude that oftentimes the theory behind writing something down in a gratitude journal is more about building up some sort of a reservoir so when in fact I do have a need to put myself in a better emotional state that uh, this gratitude journal has actually provided something for me to to uh, draw from that's pretty meaningful uh, but also to just, you know, when you're in that place, when you're thinking to yourself, man, alive, my life sucks, and relapse is imminent, just the idea of putting something down on a piece of paper to say, you know what, what is it, the stuff that I'm really, really grateful for? And I know that seems so simple and so crazy, but there's something powerful to it. In fact, the science behind it is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You can Google just about anywhere, and any therapist out there worth their weight at all We'll let you know that somehow, some way, this idea of gratitude uh, um, and, and writing something down that you're grateful for has this real cathartic capacity that is just, it's just unbelievable yeah. how that helps. And so that's, in fact, one of the authors that I really, really like about this topic makes it perfectly clear that it's virtually impossible to be in a negative emotional state, which is the beginning of a relapse. Yeah. It's impossible to be in that state and feel gratitude or express gratitude. So. Yeah. The reverse of that is, is that in those moments that if I'm feeling in that place, by simply spending some time with my gratitude journal, I can put myself in a much better place. Yeah. I mean, I have mine. Um, and 
when I'm in those funks, you know, like Shane has always remarked, what are the gifts? Yes. And so I'll be sitting in there and then I start writing those down. What, you know, what I'm grateful for, you know, even though Monday hit, you know, uh, I'm grateful I spent time with my kids. I just spent uh, a little over two weeks with them and we had lots of fun and we had adventures and we did lots of fun things. Um, you know, despite my challenges, I'm still grateful of my job. I have a great job. Right. It still provides money for me to pr- put a roof over my head and pay for you know my child support for my kids. They still have money coming in for those things, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and as I was getting through that list, yes, things didn't change. It still sucked, but I felt better. But too. how you viewed them yeah. and how you saw the world changed dramatically. Yeah, it definitely does because there's still a lot of positives. There's still a lot of good things in my life despite the negatives that are hitting me right now. Yeah. Um, and th- that's something I also ask my sponsees to do, you know, especially when they're just like going off on every rotten thing in the world. And it's like, okay, so what are you grateful for? Let's write those things down. Right. And then, you know, uh, they, gen- you know, this one came back. It's like, man, I really like that. Cause like it- as crappy as I've thought everything is, things are actually pretty good. They really good. are. They really um, are. This, and it's, it's just cause we got to change that mindset. You know, when you're, in a negative place, you're looking for the negative. That's and right. And so you're going to find it. And when we can switch that to positive, you're going to look for the positive, and you'll you'll continue to find yeah. it. I uh, uh, One of the things that's come out of my own recovery for me is this genuine sense, and I hope that all of our listeners understand this. This, this was... I struggled with my disease for a very, very long time and had this very sense, a very serious, serious sense of hopelessness. By the mm-hmm. time I found myself in a counselor's office, I'd reached a place where I honestly did not believe that I had the ability to overcome this. Yeah, me too. And one of the things that's, uh, and I hope what comes out of this podcast more than anything is, is the realization for all of our listeners that we really have more power over this than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. That by doing some of these things that seem so simple, and so ridiculous that they would have no impact whatsoever, but by doing those things, we find answers. And writing in a gratitude journal is one of those things. I just I could never make the connection as to how it is that doing something like that and actually writing it down. Mm-hmm. I can think in my own mind, hey, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that, and find no effect in that. But I do know that when I write it down and spend the time with it, I can't explain the, the sheer genius behind it. All I know is that it works. Yeah, I mean, the same things uh, like with reaching out. I remember years ago um, when my ex was telling me, well, you, you should reach out to, to so-and-so. And I'm like, what is that going to change? Right. I'm like, this, I'm still struggling with this. I'm going to therapy. That doesn't seem to be working. I'm being told, you know, the normal thing, to read your scriptures, pray, God will take it away. He's clearly not taking it away. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to... The, this 12-step group, I'm doing all these things and nothing is changing. Right. How is me making a phone call going to change that? And, and yet it, here you are. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yes, it requires the right person to be on the other side of the phone. Right. Um, because someone just saying, dude, that sucks, whatever. You know, That's not helpful. You know, it, it, or what are you doing? Yeah. Stop it. You know, yeah. um, that's not helpful. But when the right person's on the other end, it does work. And it really did, you know, uh, you know, Gary joked for the longest time when I was talking to him. He's like, you know, one of these days, because every time he would call me or I'd call him, I'd start with a sigh. He's like, one of those days, it's not going to happen. And it, it doesn't anymore. But that's just how heavy everything felt. Right, right. And now it's just like, 
alright, my day sucks, this is why, and I just need to get it off my chest. Yeah, I just need somebody to sort of bounce this off yeah. of and to listen to my, you know, my sad state of affairs. Yeah. But somewhere in that is some nugget, right? Something yeah. in there that simply says, it's really not as bad as you thought it was. Oh, yeah. So... Um, and then if, well, maybe a final note, too, is, is that I think our listeners oftentimes, this is real easy to do. Um, and I think anybody who's struggling with this particular thing in this constant relapse, there's a sense of guilt that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. And what we end up doing is saying this is someone else's fault. Yeah. The constant, this constant uh, um, blaming of somebody else for our problems is, um, you know, my wife is this, my wife is that, my children are this, my children mm-hmm. are that, that driver on the road's an idiot and I'm not. And, you know, my, the people I work with, horrible, horrible idiots that I work with, uh, all those things, that's not helpful. That's not the problem. Yeah. That is no, there's nothing there. Uh, even if you could change all those things, you'd still find yourself in the very same state that you're in today. So those aren't the problems. The problems really are an inward reflection rather than an outward expression. And I think the secret to it is is to is to spend the time focusing on an inward reflection of things and an understanding of where you're at truly to really dig deep in a way that you can overcome some of these situations because those are the things that are driving the constant relapses. Yeah. You know, it's just like a plant. You know, you got to get down to those roots because, you know, that gnarly, ugly tree that's growing in your backyard, there, there's something in the soil that's, that's, right. that's causing that. and. You know, like with me, yeah, I mean, I blamed my, my crappy childhood, the abuse I went through, um, you know, the situations I went through with my ex-wives and how they treated me and how unfair it was and blah, blah, blah. They didn't care, but it didn't matter whether they didn't care or not. It didn't matter what happened to me as a kid because I was doing the actions. I was making the choice. That's right. And, you know, like you said, if you erase that, it's still me. That's I'm right. the common denominator. Yes, there are some things that happened to me that weren't the greatest. Just all, and all of us can say that. You know, the guy that cut us off in the road, that's not my fault. Right. <laughs> and that sucks. But I have a choice to make whether I'm going to choose to relapse, make it a crappy day, or just right. like, all right, that dude needed, just apparently need to get he somewhere faster. Some, his life is way today. more important than mine. And <laughs> I'm just going to let it go yeah. and make sure that today's a good day and choose differently. Um, and that's really what it takes. It's just making a different choice. But you got to, you know, like you said, with the first order change, we got to slow down enough to make that because we've gotten it so used to. It's like the, the remote control on that movie Click yep. where it, our brains are programmed that when this happens, we, we just rush it. to do that. Yep. We quickly change it. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope that uh, I hope that helps. I hope that helps all of our listeners who are who are struggling finding some footing, yeah. who are struggling to find uh, uh, any place where they would go, uh, struggling to really kind of find some some measurable clean time, some sobriety in all of this. I hope that uh, that's a topic then that there's some tools and all of that that they can actually uh, they can actually use and and reuse because mm. this is a dynamic disease. It requires a dynamic effort to to overcome it. Uh, it's constantly evaluating, constantly evaluating my own life about where are the weaknesses and what it is that, and I will say that my recovery has demonstrated that I'm never at any point in time ready to tackle all issues at once. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, I learn something about this topic and then move over here and learn something about that and constantly building out a defensive effort to, to block out the, the, the constant bombardment of, of relapse information. Yeah. 
So um, I hope uh, I hope that helps. Um, if you have any other further questions about some of those things, I would encourage you to get with your sponsor. I'm sure your sponsor could have some further insights, but I think that's a place to start. I'm sure your counselor would have some, yeah. some insights as well. But those are places that I would recommend that you start if you're struggling to to get to the bottom of, of why the continued relapse. I mean, the only thing I would add to that is no matter where you think you're at, no matter how deep you feel like you are in that hole that is this addiction, there is a way out. Absolute truth. That, you know, today can be that day that you start climbing out. I, I've, I've been there. I've, I've felt that despair, that hopelessness where it's like nothing's going to change. Right. Nothing's going to get me out of this. Nothing's going to save me. Just might as well ride this roller coaster all the way down to the flames but you don't have to right there is a way out it just takes a little bit of effort and you have to do it intentionally and once you do you start climbing out start making your way out yeah and then (laughs) one day you'll you'll hit that that crest Uh, you still got to keep climbing but at least you're not in that hole anymore in fact, that's probably the final note of ever all of this, and that is is that there, you, you're not so deep that you can't get out. But yeah. more importantly, more importantly is is that um, uh, you you really have some control over this. Yeah. You really have some say in this. It's not a matter of hopelessness. Yeah. It's a matter of making a couple of minor tweaks into the way you live your life in such a fashion that you're willing to make a systematic change. But again, this all begins with a complete evaluation that says, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm done living like this. And you don't have to hit rock bottom. I mean, some of us have. But yeah. you can choose where you're halfway down the hole to turn around and start climbing up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I hope that you avoid that. Right. Because <laughs> uh, hitting rock bottom is not fun. There are consequences. Um, but sometimes that's what we need to do to finally open our eyes. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's been a fun discussion. I appreciate, uh, appreciate your input, Daniel. Uh, with that, this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, I don't remember. Then let's add Gary's. Do the do, next do right thing. Do the next right thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think is just sage that's advice. A, that's always best. Yeah. So, so, all right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.